You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with a brand new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira, and this is Kara and Marissa Tomei from A Different World <laughs> over there in the corner. Um, today, uh, we'll talk about Beyonce's spectacular Coachella performance a little later when we're joined by Dear White People creator Justin Simeon. But before that, we're going to dive into Kendrick Lamar winning a Pulitzer and Adidas' offer to Colin Kaepernick. On Monday, Kendrick Lamar's Damn took home the Pulitzer Prize for music. Kendrick is not only the first rapper to win the award, he's the first musician who is not a classical or jazz musician to win it since the Pulitzer's expanded to music in 1943. Kendrick, you didn't win that Album of the Year Grammy but you got something way better. Ever. Way he's, better. He's lost the album yeah. of the year Grammy three times. You know who's not going to be looked surprised? <laughs> Bruno Mars, girl. So you're good. Or Taylor Swift. <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be awesome in the description for the Pulitzer Prize for music? It's like the best non-Bruno Mars achievement of the year. <laughs> I have to say, uh, it's interesting that this, the Pulitzer Prize for music is expanding now because actually, even though now it credits itself for like, uh, um, um, giving awards to jazz musicians. They didn't do that until the late 90s either. 1997. Yes, and they right. did it to Wynton Marsalis, who, like Kendrick Lamar, was already a superstar of the genre. So it was basically a risk-free expansion for them. So it's both exciting and, in a way, is has no risk for them. So I, I'm not proud of them. I'm simply happy it happened. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very happy for Kendrick. Obviously, one of the things I didn't like was the when they were announcing that he won, they said something along the lines of like it was time or and 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 a lot of the. Um, commentary around Kendrick winning was like, you know, this album and it was time and we and, and hip hop and, um, you know, this is a hip hop album that's worthy of, of giving this praise to. Right. They said that it captured the complexity of African-American life. Right. And it's one of the it's one of the things with Kendrick and I love Kendrick, but he is a rapper that people who don't like rap feel like they can take seriously and they're proud of themselves for getting it and proud of themselves for liking his music as if it's somehow more hip hop than other hip hop music. And so the idea that it was time now as if there's never been a rap album or an album outside the genre of classical music or jazz that spoke to the American experience that was incredibly well written before this is is silly and I didn't like that kind of suggestion with this album. Yeah, it was particularly weird too just because the Pulitzer administrator who gave the speech was Dana Kennedy and she's actually the first woman and the first black woman to be the Pulitzer administrator. So, you know, even her just joining last year the Pulitzer board was 
a bit too late, you know, for, oh, a, for a woman or even the first black person to ever hold that position. So, you know, speaking it, of which, also, it was it wasn't until the 80s that a woman won the Pulitzer Prize for music, too. And it had been going on since the early 40s. So they are taking their sweet time <laughs> with this shit. It's weird because I feel like the Pulitzer, at least in, you know, like the journalism and, you know, writing arenas, tends to celebrate black art more than they do in the music realm. I mean, I didn't Maybe. even know you could win a Pulitzer for music. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> didn't know that until this came out because I don't care. And these weren't, you know, when I think when I think of that prize, I think of like really incredible journalists and writers exactly who have won. And I think of their work. I do not think of music. Well, um, well I mean, like it's a wild expansion in a couple of ways because I think of it as uh, awards for music academics. I mean, most of the people who have ever won it were like, you know, uh, uh, professors at Columbia, et cetera. So for or someone who wrote like a, a really, really depressing Broadway play. Yes. Or, 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 or like operas, et cetera, which, you know, still exist. Um, and aren't don't where? star the who I don't yeah I'm very <laughs> okay. confused by it myself so uh, it's one of those things where I actually wonder how long they can sustain it though like will they go back to classical music next year just to see how people react to that I don't know yeah that's the other thing it's it's you've recognized the sort of the language around it where you've recognized this you would say okay wow so now we're expanding what we consider in in this. In yeah, this serious prize in this category, music. exactly, yeah. quote unquote, serious music. Um, it's a little like when the Oscars that one year were like, okay, black people get some nominations or whatever. Um, we'll let a lady director in, and then kind of regressed a little bit. So you always hope, like, oh wow, they took this risk, even though I would argue it's not that much of a risk. It was a really it sold millions of units. And yeah, it's was a beloved like one album. Of the most, it is like, really easy to like. Damn, you know, you're not putting NWA. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So you sort of hope that it's the, you know, the ceiling is is breaking and and the floodgates are open and all that. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If it's not Kendrick again next year, I may not even be aware of who wins the the Pulitzer Prize (laughs) in music next year. Well, you know, J. Cole's dropping an album this week. Oh, that's true. So is Drake is dropping one soon, too. He'll get a Pulitzer with no features. Give give Drake (laughs) a Pulitzer Prize for Nice for What? Because honestly, (laughs) it's the best song I've heard this year, and he deserves it. Charlie Puth will be coming right back, too. You have no idea. What I did Charlie gonna, Puth I, want it next I year? was going to rudely who that, but you know I like Charlie Puth. Um, how long is you and I connect on that? sweet little voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did we find the Pulitzers themselves just sort of outdated anyway? I, I or don't... do they still celebrate the old guard? It's weird, even in the media section where they celebrate writers and people that we know, um, this year was the first time that a, I believe, a online... Um, outlet like BuzzFeed News was even just a finalist for something. You know, it's still always Washington Post, New Yorker, New York Times, Boston Globe, those sorts of things. I mean, we live, I think when you're a person of color, when you're a woman, like all of these institutions were not created by you and were not created for you in mind. So I think there's always that kind of asterisk that you're remembering that they're not necessarily looking to you and looking to your work in the same way that they're looking at other people's works. I don't think that the Pulitzers are irrelevant by any means. Like it definitely, I think also when I think of who they have 
um, recognized. I, I do feel like it's people who I felt like deserved it. It, it has been black journalists. It, it's Wesley you know, Morris, this year. Yeah, Barack exactly. Obama. Exactly. Um, so, no. It'll to answer your <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, one thing I do like about the Pulitzers is, I mean, there's like photography categories and, you know, things for people who are not rich. I mean, people who, you know, some woman. Well, that's the thing, too. People who want work, a woman who uh, worked for the Des Moines Register one. You know, there was somebody who basically dropped out of journalism after taking, uh, after his last day on the job, taking photos at Charlottesville. You know, so it really recognizes people who are. I mean, in the trenches, for lack of a better term, and, you know, probably not recognized in any way elsewhere. Yeah, what people don't also don't know is there is a, you know, monetary prize that comes with the Pulitzer, which is also sort of the reason some people have suggested that they haven't been celebrating pop music or hip hop, you know, in its past, just because those people have money, they don't need a Pulitzer. Right. However, if the Pulitzer is also supposed to recognize great work you have to do that balance of so what if they don't need the money recognize them i mean now that i know that this category even exists i'm of course like why didn't beyonce win her pulitzer Mm -hmm. yeah the miseducation of lauren hill you didn't think like maybe now's the time that didn't represent america in a really true and specific way the black woman who was the first woman and first black person to be the pulitzer administrator didn't join till july last Um, year Homegirl was just like, God damn it, lemonade had just come out this February. When we're back, Adidas has an offer for Colin Kaepernick. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Recently, Mark King, an executive at Adidas, mentioned in an interview that the company wants to sign Colin Kaepernick to an endorsement deal. The only caveat is he has to be on an NFL roster. Brave. Mm. Wow. (laughs) If he signs onto a team, we would definitely want to sign him, Mark said, and that they're not in the business of activism. They're in the business of sport. Can I say, I sit here right now and head to toe Adidas. I've been trying to actually get myself an Adidas sponsorship because I, I believe I wear it so well. Um, Karen and I agreed it's a dusty salmon. A dusty salmon, yeah. Um, but this is super, I mean, this is it's like all of the people who, you know, in 1990, it's like if it's 1997 and you're like, oh yes, segregation was bad. I, I, I definitely thought that was, definitely didn't like that. Thank you. Yes, right. Could not have been, could not be less helpful to anything right now. I think my favorite part of that statement is he added something like, it's very important for athletes to tell their story, though, but only if they're on a team. So oh. only if they're already being massively paid. Also, I said this online, but Kendall Jenner has an Adidas contract. Like you sign people, you sign models, you sign all kinds of randos. PR is a sport, Kara. Pharrell. Handing out Pepsi is a sport. Pharrell is not an athlete. So the notion that they have to be an athlete to get one of these contracts is just, we know that's not true. Um, I will say I am wearing Pharrell's Adidas sneakers right now, and they are very comfortable. All Adidas sneakers are comfortable. It's not just Pharrell's. It's Mm. the same. It's the same design. He He didn't invent those sneakers. Uh, but <laughs> you could sign Colin Kaepernick if you wanted to. It would actually be a real statement if you did sign him right now while he isn't on a team, while he's being, he continues to be blackballed by the NFL. That would actually say something of any relevance or importance, but that's not the business that they seem to be in right now. Right now, it seems like Adidas is scamming for free press. Which is, it's like they don't need, free, you don't need free press. And, and, and the other thing is, it's like, does it, do they think that it makes them look progressive by saying, oh, we do support Colin Kaepernick, but in a way that doesn't put us on the line in any real way? Right. And also, we support him if he does this one thing. So please just do The one thing we that. know that's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. as we've been watching not happen for the past two years. That's like saying I support, you know, 
Bonnie Hunt once she lands another pilot. And it's like, it may not happen. You have to support <laughs> Bonnie Hunt now. Do we think this offer is going to be tantalizing to any sports team? Because in theory, Colin Kaepernick would, you know, be modeling Adidas and maybe they could get a cut of it. No, I mean, all all of these all of these dudes have some sort of a lot of them have contracts, have endorsement contracts. So it it you know, the the Seattle Seahawks had um, I think had been considering him and then they hired a different quarterback. And honestly, Seattle kind of felt like the only team that really had a serious shot with him because Pete Carroll is a pretty like progressive person and the city, um, which has its moments, but, you know, I I think would have been more open to his protests than, I don't know, Phoenix. Uh, But it doesn't seem like, again, he's going to be signed again. So do we think Colin even wants to do football anymore? I I think he does for what it would say about About his cause. You know, it's the fact that he exercised his right to freedom of speech. He exercised his right to protest and an entire league allegedly colluded against giving him a job, even though he was qualified and is certainly more qualified than other people in the league playing right now. So I, I do think he, he, he's been saying this, he's, he's releasing videos of himself training and he's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play. I can still do this if someone will just hire me. Um, what he should do is just take the job, roll up and only kneel. The yeah. entire time. That's mm-hmm. what that's what I would do. Is it possible to play football while only kneeling? I want him to master it. He could try. Like on a hoverboard or something. Well, unless we find out the fourth client is the NFL. <laughs> Mother of God. <laughs> I think it's happening. When we're back, a conversation with Dear White People creator Justin Simeon on Beachella. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back with Dear White People creator, Justin Simeon. What's going on? Hi. Hi. Season two debuts May 4th. It does. Volume two, actually, because I'm bougie as fuck. 
Okay. Can I say that? I can say that on Keep It, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Bougie? Yes. You're okay, allowed great. to say that. That was the one I was worried about. Okay, cool. On Netflix, do you feel like you're in comp- Like, do you see, you're like, I'm so mad at Grace and Frankie. Hope they don't take the spotlight from me. <laughs> no, that, that's the thing about Netflix is so weird because it's like it's just all up there. So like even on premiere day, it's like, OK, well, while you were asleep, the show went up. So congrats. Like there's no like, you know, you don't get that instant gratification that like everybody who writes like right. wants, you yeah. know, but it's you get it in drips and drabs like over the course of a year. So it's a little weird. You um, put your work out there and then you sit and wait yeah, while everything slowly comes in. And people binge. Yeah, because like some people are like, oh my god, I watched it all in the day. And some people are like, look, the title offended me for years, and I finally watched it, and I loved it. So it's like you kind of have to like take what you can get. <laughs> I'm still offended. I'm still waiting. Listen, I'm so triggered right now by the name of your show. Is what well. I'm just kidding. It's, uh, it's great though. I mean, look, I'm like 35 and I'm black and I have a show. Like, what am I gonna do? Complain? Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so before we talk about your show. We have to talk about something oh. slightly more important. Oh my God. Is it Beyonce? It's definitely Beyonce. <laughs> Life's show, Beyonce. Coachella. Thank you so much for having us tonight. This is a very important performance for me. I'm happy to be back home on the stage with you guys. Do we have any queens in the house tonight? Try to help me sing this next song. It's called Bow Down. Let's talk about it. I want to go to the HBCU. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> I've turned in my application. I feel like I aced it. Like, I'm ready. Let's do it. How good was that performance, everybody? I uh, no, it was incredible. <laughs> oh my god! Like, who's going to be the one black person to be like, you know what? Like, right. I had notes. Like, no. Right. Also, <laughs> is it is it one of the most gigantic performances ever? Yes. On, uh, just on the screen, I was watching it on. It just seemed to go back and back and back, like it turned into the sun. You know. I yes. also don't remember in past Coachella headlining headline performances. I mean, obviously they were not on the production value that this was. But even people having like real stages. Yeah. Like I don't remember. I she just remember. A Pyramid. Yeah, I just like, remember like screens and graphics and things like that, but that anyone built an actual set, I can't I do, remember that. I do remember that I think people were mad at Kanye for starting late because he built a stage. Oh, but it was but it was just that like remember that. platform yes. thing. There wasn't all of this extra right, shit that Beyonce right. did. Right, it was right, just right. Kanye being Kanye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um well the thing about her I just love. First of all, it was the most Houston performance Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Like, it was so Houston. I know a thing about it because I'm from there. And it was just like the, the, it was, she was just so authentically H-Town. Like, that's what gave me all of my life was seeing all of these drunk white kids like experiencing (laughs) like the raw blackness (laughs) that happens in Houston. And she always comes with the concept, man. Mm -hmm. Like the, like the whole like fraternity story thing. Like, it was like, Oh, she's like, she's the best, guys. She's the best. She's the best. She's the last one we have. She's like the last great one we have. I'm telling you. 
By the way, it was also crazy, not just that it was a medley of everything she's done in her career, but the amount of snippets of like black music that would not have been known to a mainstream 2018 audience this was crazy. This bitch did the black yeah. national anthem, oh, which I know none okay. of those people knew. And you also, even if people had maybe heard of Lift Every Voice and Sing, you they, they didn't know that we referred to that mm-hmm. as the black mm-hmm, national mm-hmm. anthem. But now they know. Now they know. They've been educated. There oh. was something actually really quite special about um i was there with a few of my friends um with us singing along when we recognized that Mm -hmm. she was singing that Mm -hmm. and just looking around and like seeing blank mouse but also hearing (laughs) other black people throughout the crowd singing it (laughs) yes uh it was like it was like it's like we're calling across the cotton field it was like it was like you're over there like where are you where y'all at (laughs) it just felt really emotional and like a special moment you know for black people because she knew that it was going to be streaming but also just for i feel like the black people who trekked to mecca all the way the next day we were all like in line for uh shirts and merchandise Mm -hmm. and people were just talking to each other being like you know the damn white people didn't know Ah! what some of that shit was (laughs) last night the other thing with Beyonce is you know in the last few years as like her general sort of artistic vision and the production value of everything has gotten to be so grand people are like wow look at all of this you know this black imagery and this black art that she's creating when if you've been paying and I've been saying this I remember when the self-titled album came out if you had been paying attention to Beyonce from the jump she has been this woman the entire time the entire the entire time time she hasn't always been able i think to execute it in the way that she perhaps wanted to or or she wasn't just she hadn't developed yet as an artist to see things on the scale that she sees them now but she has always been this black girl from houston who mm-hmm. loved black people she's always been a woman who has cared about other women who has talked about you know not feminism per se but a lot of the ideas around you know respect and 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 pain women and, and valuing them and things like that. So to see this sort of fully realized mm-hmm. version of Beyonce. And to see people see it. Because yes. like, I remember I remember being the one black person in my office when B-Day came out. Like, y'all, I'm telling you, <laughs> the Deja Vu video is lit. It's amazing. And, and I remember like people who are my friends to this day, like, I mean, she's not Britney. Like, I remember <laughs> these conversations. In I, what way? I, I remember like, oh, she can't really sing. She's like a studio artist. Like, I remember this. And I was just like talking to her. I was sort of like, guys, she's she's it. She's the truth. She guys. was giving like, you opera. Everything. <laughs> She <laughs> was she was referencing Bob Fosse. Like who's and done that, that album since Michael was Jackson? actually like ended up being a visual album because yes. she had a, a video, video for, for every that song. Was the, that was the She'd start. done that before. That was the I start. am still pissed about the like forty five seconds of Kitty Cat she gave us. <laughs> I needed the whole thing. I want more <laughs> Kitty Cat. Okay, can I just say something? This is not controversial, but I just feel like Beyonce. I hope you're hearing this somehow. Um, I really need like a Pharrell post-disco, new disco album because Kitty Cat goes in. Um, all of the tracks she's done with Pharrell through the years. Like Sugar Mama my, goes Sugar Ma- like, all the way They're in. all like kind of my low-key favorites and I'm dig- I'm loving like Black as Hell, H-Town, like all the like trap stuff. I'm loving it, but like I do like her in Vanity 6 mode. Like I really, that's Oof. like one of my favorite Beyonce's. Yes. Her Destiny's Child uh, uh, medley was, I thought, very impressively chosen because I think "Lose My Breath" and "Soldier" are among the most timeless of those songs. Of, of those that songs catalog. going for me, yeah. And the "Say My Name" Timbaland remix. I'm sorry, yeah. I, that went in for me as well. I was impressed. 
a large part of her performance was honoring the history of HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Justin, what did you take away from that? Seeing as how um, you know, dear white people is about you know the black students experience. on college. I mean, I loved it. It's like I feel, first of all, I feel like we're connected in the soul um, because <laughs> of all of the imagery. I mean, it's all it all is all meaningful. Like I just, you know, finally made enough money to go on vacation and I went to Italy and like all of the bees everywhere and like learning the history of what that means to um, the culture of Italy and seeing her incorporating really since the beginning. But in particular, like all the like uh, the crests and all the imagery and stuff. It was just so smart, you know, like her references really do go really deep. And I never got to go to an HBCU, you know, like I never got to like not know that I was the only black person ever. And whenever I'm like in a Beyonce experience and I'm like texting everybody and everybody's like doing the the, the reaction competition on Twitter, like I feel like we are all kind of in a community like around her for that brief moment in time. So I thought it was dope. And I love that it's not explained. Like if you don't know what she's Mm -hmm. referencing, you just got to kind of figure it out. And then she also followed it up with a $100,000 donation um, to scholarships to four HBCUs, Mm -hmm. which is just like, it feels sometimes like she feels like she has to cover all of her bases Mm -hmm. because as a black woman and and, and who she is, people are always looking for ways to pick at her. Mm -hmm. And so for her to follow just the performance was better than every performance ever. And then to follow it up with this actually, not only was it amazing, it meant something. And And then I'm going to prove to you how much it means to me. Like it just fully covered. She comes from the Michael Jackson School of Dramatic Arts and Performances. (laughs) And I just feel like that's what I've always loved about her is that like there are some artists that you go through for their go to for their authenticity. Like we all love seeing Rihanna getting high at Coachella. (laughs) Like we love that. We love that. Right. You go to Beyonce to see like a completely polished. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say product, but like performance like you. She gives it to you at every angle. It's like there's the social component. There's a social media component. There's like all of the like secrets that she She's been sneaking into her images to lead up to it. There's the performance itself. There's the album. There are the cover albums. Like I, that's what I've always kind of appreciated about her is that she she's always thought about all the angles. You know, she takes it really seriously. I think because she takes black culture really seriously yeah. and how she's and and the art that she's putting out and how it affects other black people specifically and black women in particular. Like I think that that's really important to her and it's important to her that it is always on point. And it do take guts to I'm telling you to make an album that's like I don't care if there's a radio single on this or not. Mm-hmm. Like this is the music I'm into right now. This is the sound that I want. I get that you know you and Justin wants me to do like a disco pop album but this is what <laughs> I want to do today. You know and I mean that, that takes guts because I can't imagine Imagine, especially when uh, the self-title came out, like how many executives were like in her ear, like, you can't do that. That's not going to work. Like, you know, and, and she did it anyway. And we all gagged. She also took every dimension we know of her. Like Solange was in it, Ugh, you know, like hits so from good. every stage of her career, you know, Destiny's Child. And it's just she, she let her husband she, show up that that she added layers to stuff we already knew about her and deepened everything Shady. we already knew. What I love that she kind of represents is like, what if you could be great? without all of the bullshit of being a black person in, like, the 60s and 70s and 80s. Like, what if you could just, like, stand on the shoulders of all of that and, like, not have to go through that you have to be, like, the best and cut your wrist to, like, get on pop rate? Like, what if you could just be black and and a fantastic pop star? And Michael and, and Janet and Whitney, and we've seen, you know, the 
turmoil that they all had yeah, to go like through. Yeah, like you can't you can't be a huge black artist in the eighties and not have scars from that experience. And like she's giving us that degree of perfectionism, that degree of commitment, but without the scar tissue. And she like is showing them respect, but also taking it just a step further. And I just I'm having a moment. She's giving me moments. What's great is that she's showing us Kendrick with his Pulitzer is sort of showing us oh that God, you can be great as a black artist now without sort of catering to yes. a white gaze. Do you find yourself in that position now with dear white people? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, dear white people is interesting because I, I make the show expecting people of different races to show up to it. And I'm not necessarily catering to them. Like the show, despite its name, it's not really like, dear white people, sit down and let me teach you something. It's not that. It's about <laughs> what it feels like as a black person to always have to respond to white people. That's really what is at the heart of the show. And what I, my experience of being, you know, one of few black people in a given space has always been is like, I'm the one to have to explain. I'm the one to have to like describe things. I'm the one who has to always give a dear white people wherever I am. And so, you know, I'm not saying I'm catering it for them, but I I am aware that a lot of different gazes are going to be on it. And so you have to take it all into account because I want to tell the truth, but I also don't want to, like, you know, let down the representation item on the agenda and make sure all the skin colors are, are, are handled and everyone, you know, has a moment to shine. But to me, it's like the most important thing is to tell the truth. Like, even if it feels like I'm, I might be airing some dirty laundry and white people might be watching, like, I got to We got to go there because... Man, this thing called racism that we keep trying to talk about on Twitter and stuff, like, if we can't figure out how to tell the truth about it, I don't know what we're going to do. I really don't. What I really appreciate, too, uh, specifically about um, the premiere without getting too much into it is, you know, it's about characters responding to that constant onslaught on Twitter uh, that I feel like we've all experienced at one point. And it's there was still that same stuff after... Beyonce, oh, and it's yeah. hard. You feel like you have to respond to it. You know, uh, the star of that uh, CW show that no one watches anymore, Stephen Amell, you know, wanted to tweet his opinions about how he didn't want to watch Beyonce, mm -hmm. and people felt that they had to drag him, they had to go at him. And I am just, I'm done with it. Like, I had a moment right after the first season where I was like, oh my God, there's an army, like, coming for me. Like, oh my God, what do I do? And I had that knee-jerk response thing, and I got a, a few cute, like, little digs in on Twitter or whatever. But then I realized, like, this is just another form of oppression. Like, this feeling that I have to respond to this bullshit. Like, it's bullshit. Like, no matter how it's phrased, like, there's no intellectual merit to it. You need to, like, do your homework, boo-boo, and figure out how we got here. That's what I'm trying to do, to be a better American. American citizen, okay? So, like, I'm not here. It's not my job to educate you. It's not my job to convince you or to win this argument. Like, my energy is better spent making my show and um, watching Beyonce videos. I recommend to most people, get out of your mentions. It yeah. feels so good. <laughs> it does. Please just flee them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> uh, get out. So, Beyonce fandom crosses, yes. you know, a lot of areas, but specifically, it's very important to the black LGBTQ community. Yeah. And uh, we have had for so long artists who are women who sort of give us a vessel to express ourselves. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. here you are now, uh, a gay black man with black your woman. own TV oh, show. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Your own TV show. Uh, <laughs> and you are able to tell our stories. Um, how is that? 
I mean, it's really, it's really annoying. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I think it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's like a dream come true. I mean, they, they, it's been described and it's very accurate that like getting your own TV show is like getting beat to death by your own dream. That is a thousand percent true <laughs> because you realize like, yeah, I'm in charge, but I really just like, I'm <laughs> like, basically I'm at the, the women whimsy of all of these other people. Uh, but I get to show up and I get to tell stories that like I have not seen told before. And that is a privilege, man. And, like, I think about it all the time. Like, when I, you know, I quote James Baldwin so damn much because I'm always reading his stuff because I feel like he articulated it best at a time when, frankly, you could get lynched for saying the stuff that we say in the show. Like, you know, just last night, like, there's, like, a very innocuous Katy Perry joke. Like, very innocuous. And, like, people are like, he's implying that Katy Perry is a white supremacist. He's disgusting. And it's just like... I'll take that because literally 20 years ago, I, my life might have ended <laughs> saying some of the stuff that we say in the show. And like to be able to like put a character like Lionel, who is gay, but like not cool yet and doesn't know how to be black and gay in the black gay community, which I struggle with for a while. Like it's it's a joy because I get to I get to put my shit out there, stuff that maybe I've been afraid to talk about or go into um, and see people get their lives from it. You know what I mean? And characters who you think you don't like. Now you're, you bang with them or people who you love and you realize they have a different side to them. It's like. I don't know. It's it's so fun. I, I literally, I always go with the stuff that scares me, and I always tell the stories that make me a little like, oh, shit, I'm going to get it for this. And that, to me, is so fun that I just get to do that. <laughs> like, 10 episodes a year. It's dope. Great. Well, thank you so much for thank joining us, Justin. Dear White People, I'm season stay. two. Can I stay? I'm going to be your fourth co-host. I'm going to go. I, I mean, we don't, listen, I don't care Lewis. which one you swap out, to okay. be honest. Okay. Wow. I'm not going to talk about Coachella every week. <laughs> don't know what this is about, but Beyonce, I love you. And uh, Can we swap out anyone with Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, just have it be Beyonce. Most buildings should be swapped out with Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Dear White People, season two drops on Netflix May 4th. May 4th, May the 4th be with you. Check it out. It's dope. We'll be right back. Thanks, y'all. And we're back with our favorite segment of the week. It is Keep It. Kara, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Yeah, you want me to go first. I know what Lewis is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So my Keep It this week is a really sad one for me. Because it goes out to Rihanna's body glitter, her body lava, and her poof. Because Rihanna is someone I love more. I love her more than people that I know personally. Sure. Love her more than both of you. Fair. Love her more than most of my friends. I mean, I'm not saying I love her more than my parents, but we'd have to talk about it for sure. Um, and she released one, a new product, a new Fenty Beauty product. It's body lava. So it's a body glitter lotion situation and also this poof of glitter. And I have not worn body glitter since I was 13 years old. And there's a reason for that. And I tried, I went to Sephora and I I tried a little and I just couldn't do it. Body glitter is gross. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not, it's gross. Imagine also that it's 90 degrees and you have just put glitter all over your entire body I I can't even, it makes me, and you know what, Rihanna can do it because there's a lot of things Rihanna can do that most of us can't do. She probably also is constantly in climate controlled environments. People she doesn't want to touch her don't touch her. All of the issues that I would run into with body glitter, 
are not issues for her. And so I have to say, I have to say, keep it to it. Also, what's the consistency of body? Is it a little bit slimy? It's a little like when you put it on, I put it on. It's a little sticky. It's it's just it as a thing isn't great. It's not that her body glitter is 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 bad. Right. It's just the entire conceit of body glitter doesn't work for me. Do you know what glamour I tried at 13? Um, Sun in. It did not work out for me as someone with L. Fanning-like skin. Just going out in the sun, which is the other thing. If you're a black person and you go in the sun, you're already going to glow. You don't you don't need body glitter, guys. It's just the melanin. Any brown person, the melanin will do the job for you. Lewis, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice poetic tie-up. We are the body glitter. <laughs> we are the body glitter. You could throw glitter on yourself. Me? Yeah, you know. I have the glitter in my eyes, sweetheart. I have. I, I'm like. I'm like a claymation reindeer. Wow. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> what is your keep it? I This feels somewhat contrived because I feel like the internet already yelled keep it to this. Um, it is sympathetic, more sympathetic than most people would be. Um, Taylor Swift covered Earth, Wind & Fire September this week. Do you remember the 28th night of September? Love was changing the minds of pretenders. Stop that. Uh, didn't, didn't listen. Yeah, I did. I don't know why she heard this song, which is a disco classic, and thought, what if this were a Sixpence None the Richer song? I don't know why <laughs> she has that instinct. I don't have that instinct. I'll say this. It is almost impossible to cover disco or dance songs of the 70s at all, because you basically have to replicate the melody wholesale. It has to be the same song. Like, if you, if you know um, Gloria Estefan's cover of Turn the Beat Around by Vicky Sue Robinson, the original artist, you know it sounds exactly the same. DNC had that cover of Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Which Stewart. Is great. Yes, it's great. It also sounds exactly like the same song. So I'm just saying, if you're going to turn a disco song into a non-disco song, the lyrics better be there on a sort of singer-songwriter level, and I don't know if you know this about the song, most of the lyrics are body which famously, <laughs> the writers of that song said, we intended to replace those later, but it sounded so good, we just left it. So she is... She tried to turn it into a poetic moment and it's and, you know, turn it into another one of those Taylor Swift live journal songs that we all know and love. And instead, it just sounded like someone purring body off. Where are her people? That's what I want to know. Where are her people to say, hey, girl, that's not a good idea. In fact, that's a very bad idea. Right. And because we care about you. We're not going to let you do this. Yeah. Well, she I, thrives on pissing off black people online. <laughs> I mean, because that's what her fans, her fans, I feel like, get a rush out of jumping in to your mentions and being like, this isn't about race. Yeah. I mean, it's more, it's just, this isn't your lane, girlfriend. That's all it is. You know, it's like, I don't have any objection to her singing a song that a black person has sung before. That's fine. There are this... plenty of Ashanti songs available, <laughs> yes. ready to cover, probably royalty free. It's just, we already, why are you covering a disco song? One, slowly, and even if it weren't slowly, we know you can't stay on beat, girl. This that, isn't, right. you don't know to be, you just don't need to be doing this. Yeah, that is of, of concern. I do want to say, I'll give a shout out to my favorite white cover of a black classic. <laughs> Are you gonna do this? This is why I'm on this show, this right? <laughs> Joan Osborne's cover of What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. If you have not heard it, get your ass on YouTube, where she will sli- You think, oh, she's just that chick with the curly hair and a nose ring from 1996. She is the best one-hit wonder ever and will shock you. You will be crying in three directions. Are we going to keep letting him do keep it? 
Ozzy Osbourne's daughter did a cover? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love this joke. Yeah. Yeah, it's Kelly, it's Kelly Osbourne's cover of Papa Don't Preach is what I'm talking about. You want to go down the Kelly pop lane? I can. All right. Um, in closing, you know, if you can't dance to disco music, you probably shouldn't cover it. <laughs> My keep it this week is a very sad one for me. Um, I would say Coachella. And we're, I was. I don't at, think you were. Oh, you were. All, all right. Um, let me do this. All right. I was at Coachella and I was in the Absolute Vodka open house where Rita Ora was supposed to perform. Rita Ora was supposed to be there at. 5 p.m. Is this like wrestling all over again? Yeah, here we go. Rita Ora. She showed up 20 <laughs> minutes late. Rita Ora showed up at 6.26. Of course she did. Of course she did. Rita Ora walked into the booth, played a song of hers that was her pride anthem that she recorded for Absolute, danced to it half-heartedly, barely lip-synced it, and then she left. What were you... I want to know, what were you expecting? Were you expecting Rita Ora to get up there and throw down some vocals? Were you expecting Rita Ora to suddenly learn how to dance? I don't, I'm not, she can I'm sing. not sure. Sh- I said throw down some vocals and learn how to dance. What were you, what did you think would happen? Like you thought she was going to like do a duet with an absolute bottle? Like what was going <laughs> to happen in the lounge for you? It would have been fun. I don't know. I was expecting a little bit more than that. I don't know why. She spent an extra hour and a half making sure she was nondescript enough for the entire <laughs> crowd. She's like, I've got to get this, get it down. To be fair, she was she was two hours late to the March for Our Lives. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, should have expected it. But, you know, um, I don't know. You feel, it was, is it, is it? At all hurting your fandom for her? A little bit. Mm. Yeah. This is what did it. Yeah. The absolute vodka performance in the desert was the last straw for Ira with Rita Ora. Maybe so. Anyway, that's been our show. We'll see you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.